So in this series, we're talking about how to deal with difficult relationships. And there's a book, there's an actual fascinating case study on it. It's actually a story that was written by Osha Davidson and it's called The Best of Enemies. And it was actually made into a movie recently. And it is a, it's an amazing movie. I actually thought about using it for one of the messages for at the movies and maybe I'll do that in the future. But this is a story that highlights this relationship between Mr. Ellis and, and Atwater. It was in the 60s. It was right here in Durham, North Carolina. Mr. Ellis was a member. It actually wasn't just a member. He was a leader of the Klan. And Miss Atwater was a civil rights activist. And because of that, they knew each other. And uh, back, in, back then, they would have said in their own words, they hated each other. They cussed at each other, yelled at each other, said things about each other. They did not have a good relationship. Fast forward to 2005, Mr. Ellis passed away. And Mr. Ellis asked Mrs. Atwater to do the eulogy at his funeral. Now that's how close that they had become. That's how good of a friendship that they had developed. In fact, Mr. Ellis's daughter tells a story of something that happened at the funeral in 2005. Mrs. Atwater was sitting at the front row at the funeral home, waiting for the funeral to start, and one of the funeral attendants walks up and says, excuse me, man, clearly you're looking for where you should be. Can I help you find the right place? She said, oh, I'm in the right place. He said, well, this is the funeral of Mr. Ellis. And she said, oh, I know. He said, well, man, this is a family-only service. And she said, oh, I'm family. can I ask how you're related to the deceased? And she said, he was my brother. And that was the nature of the relationship that they had developed. And we all look at that, and at least I watched the movie, and I just think, man, how beautiful, how wonderful is that? Because we tell these stories, and we write books about it, and we put movies together of stories of people who have overcome challenging and broken relationships. And it's beautiful. And the hope of this story is that if it's possible for them, maybe it's possible for us. But the problem that we all have is how. Sometimes we don't know how to do that in difficult relationships. So today we're gonna actually tackle another deep subject, a very applicable subject, and that is how do we deal with conflict? within relationships, maybe relationships that have gone bad, that started bad, or challenging relationships like the two of these had. I mean, it's just situations where there's conflict and there's tension between you and your kid because of how you dealt with COVID or they dealt with COVID or nobody dealt with COVID or whatever it is. So this series is about whatever the situation is, the keys to relationships and how to get those relationships back to a place to hell, of health if it's possible. Now, last week we kicked off the series and we gave you this big idea that you can have peace with a relationship when it's bad, even when you don't have peace in a relationship. And so it's this idea that look, if you never get to a place where you can say, you know what, we're good, we're okay. Even if you never get there in your relationships, you can still have peace with that relationship. And so last week, we talked about this, this word that's kind of difficult to understand. We use a lot in life, but sometimes it's hard to apply, and that's empathy. 
And we said that the path to peace is paved with empathy, that as far as it depends on me, I'm gonna do everything that I can do within this relationship. I'm going to have to make the long walk around. I'm gonna have to make the walk of empathy to see things from somebody else's side. Because when I do, it can actually change my perspective and ultimately lead to a healthy place in a relationship. So hopefully last week you, you took time, you applied it, you maybe took that walk around in that difficult relationship and hopefully you actually even wrote it down. So the problem that we're gonna tackle today though is if you have taken that walk around, you have looked at it and you felt things from their perspective, maybe you've written it down, what happens when that don't work? What happens when there's still conflict in the relationship? So today we're gonna to pick up more and talk about conflict and how to actually help handle conflict in a healthy way. Now, Mr. Ellis and Mrs. Atwater, they are great teachers for us today as we actually look into this subject. Because in 1917 or 1971 in North Carolina, the courts ordered the school systems to integrate. They said, enough is enough, this is, this is ridiculous. We are going to desegregate. We're gonna move all the kids to the same school. Mrs. Ellis and Mr. Atwater were actually forced to, they would have never done it on their own, but they were forced to sit on a committee together that lasted for 10 days. It was two weeks long, 10 days. And in doing so, they actually began to listen to each other. That, that all the lies that they believed about each other, and they actually built a relationship. And in doing so, it actually, it changed everything. And it allowed their relationship to heal. And they got to a place where they, got, they had a lifelong friendship. Let me tell you why that's a problem for us. The problem was they were forced to do it. And most of the time, nobody's forcing you to do this. In fact, some of you are, are saying, you know what? Nobody's forcing me to do that. And I'm actually gotten good at dodging that person. We're in the same grocery store. I go down the other aisle, right? I've gotten good at avoiding him, avoiding her. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. But the most inconvenient thing is to sit down and have a conversation with them. Most of us say, no, thank you. I'll just go on my way. However, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this is exactly what we have to do. Now, if you don't call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus, the good news for you today is you don't have to do this. Now, at the same time, this principle that, that you're gonna learn today that we find in the Bible, if you will apply it, it'll actually make your life better. Even if you're not a Jesus follower, it'll still make your life better. But for those of us that do follow Jesus, Jesus actually says, I have a command for you in regards to your bad relationships. He, he says, I want you to sit down and I want you to have a conversation with them about it. And I know you dread it. Some of you even actually fear that. But Jesus in Matthew 18, watch this. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, so you, some of you say, yeah, I, I've got a situation where somebody has actually sinned against me. And he says, but if they have, share it as a prayer request. Share it with other people as a prayer request. When I was in Bible school, I lived with a couple. I rented a room from a couple and, and she and her son-in-law, they did not get along. 
at all. I mean, like this guy could do nothing right. She had two daughters. One of them married a prince and the other one married Satan. And she would constantly lift up this one son-in-law and she would constantly put down the other one, but she did it. She came to me and she would say things like, oh man, I have a prayer request. Just pray for such and such. And then she would go off, like they're having financial problems and he's dry cleaning his underwear and who dry cleans their underwear and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, seriously, I don't need to know this. But she would gossip in the, in the form of a prayer request. How often do we do this? How often do we scratch our gossip itch with prayer requests? Pray for my ex, because he is a loser. No, the Bible says, if your brother or sister sins against you, post about it on social media. Have you seen people do this? Where they, they overshare on social media? I didn't see it, but I heard where somebody did both of these at the same time and they posted somebody else's DUI mugshot on social media and said, hey, we really need to be praying for the Smith family. Like, who does that? This is not what Jesus says to do, okay? He says, if your brother and sister sins against you, go. Look, nobody likes this. Nobody wants to do this. I don't like to do this. But Jesus says, you've got to go. You have to. Go and, and have a conversation with them privately. And if you find out that they have done something to you, you're obligated. It's a command. He tells us this in Matthew 18. He commands this, but he also says something very similar. Watch this. In Matthew 5, earlier, that is tucked kind of in this Sermon on the Mount, which is one of Jesus' most famous uh, sermons. And... This is what he says there. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar. Now, the reason he said therefore is because he's responding to something that he just said. And look, if you've been around and you've read the teachings of Jesus, he just did this. He raises the standard on everything. So before this, in Matthew uh, 5, he's saying, if you've, heard that, if you've heard don't murder, I'm saying don't even be angry with your brother. Don't be angry. He didn't say anger is wrong, but he says, if your anger causes you to just dismiss your brother and disregard them and think that that's okay to say, look, hey, look, I'm just done with you. He just got through saying you can't do that. But he says, therefore, instead, if you're offering a gift at the altar, which most people in this context in the early church, they would have understand that there was one altar that you could sacrifice at, it was in Jerusalem. So people, no matter where they lived, they would make these huge day and week long pilgrimages to Jerusalem. So they could go into this system where they would actually sacrifice and pay for and atone for the sin that they committed all year long. Think about how much sin you make in, or you do in all, a whole year. So this would be a pretty big crucial moment for their relationship and the way that they dealt with God. So Jesus is saying, this is a huge day. And if you're at the altar with your offering, for me in my world, the thing that might be that big, because I, I have a relationship with God, so I don't have to do this. But if Melissa and I were going on a trip, let's say we have an anniversary, we're going to Hawaii, we've got everything lined up. We've handled everything, I've made all the arrangements, I've got work taken care of, I've found some deal, I've got all that. I've booked a trip, I've done all this stuff, and then whenever I arrive, hours and hours from home, 
ready for that once a year event, my vacation. To the Jew, this trip to Jerusalem was much more than a vacation, but this altar, this gift, this moment at the altar, it has massive meaning to this particular audience because their desire to connect with God, it actually requires them to do what's necessary at the altar to make things right with God, okay? Now, in other words, in order to connect with God, they had to make things right with God, which is why they were there. So Jesus says, imagine this huge thing. Imagine you're there, you're gonna give your gift. And he's saying, and everybody's saying, okay, I could get that. And Jesus says, so you're in Jerusalem, miles from home, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, which is different than Matthew 18 that says you have something against them. Now he's saying, <clears throat> if they have been offended by you, Meaning, what do you do when they feel like it's your fault? And unfortunately for us, his answer is the same. He says, you're there and it dawns on you, oh, they're mad at me. He says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Everybody in the, his audience would have gasped. It would have been like me getting ready to step off that plane in Hawaii and then going, oh, wait a minute. I can't go. What happened? Did we forget something? No, no, no. My coworker's mad at me. I gotta go home. My mom's mad at me. I gotta go home. Or, or my kids are upset at me. Well, look, Micah, we'll deal with that later. We're going on a trip. It's Hawaii. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You leave your gift there and you go back home to them and you deal with that relationship. They would have thought, man, Jesus, come on. I mean, this is ridiculous. I can deal with it when I get home. And he says, no, 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 that's awesome. You think, if you think that this was ridiculous, you're beginning to understand just how important it is. It's as if Jesus is saying that if you want things right with God, you gotta make sure that things are right with other people. Maybe, you're here, or you're watching, or you're listening, and you're hoping, you're hoping that somehow being at church or watching church is gonna make you right with God, that this is going to make you right with God. It's what you should be doing. Yet Jesus is saying, no, 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 wait a minute. If you're working on how to get your relationship right with me, closer to me, that's great, but wait just a second. I want you to start looking, instead of up and down, I want you to start looking side to side and ask, where do I have difficult relationships? And he says, you leave your gift to me right there at the altar and first go. So he says, when somebody has sinned against you, what do you do? It's okay to say it, go. What if somebody has something against you, where, what do you do? It's not complicated. It's that you just go. It doesn't matter who's wrong. You don't have to diagnose the situation. You don't have to, you don't have to pray about it. You just go. Could you imagine if all of us quickly went to each other? What a wonderful world that would be. If you have offended, take the first step. If you have been offended, take the first step. 
When you have done something to somebody else, you go. When they've done something to you, you go. Well, yeah, but they're mad and they're frustrated at me and they don't even speak to me anymore right now. And he says, well, okay, go. Either way, go. Well, what if I wanna stop and ask somebody's advice? Okay, maybe. But still, whether you're gonna go or not is not a question to Jesus. What if somebody has been continually hurt Now, in a future message, we're gonna talk about boundaries that will apply to some situations that you're thinking of, so be here for that. But most of the time, the answer is simple. It's go. And it says, go and be reconciled to them. Do everything that you can do to say, I want us to be reconciled. I want to find peace, be reconciled. And to be reconciled simply means this. It means to make peace. In other words, I'm not gonna go to you so that I can teach you a lesson. Well, yeah, I'll go to them. I'll tell them what if. Well, the thing is, is we're supposed to go to bring peace, to, to restore the lack of peace. Whether you did something to me or I did something to you, either way, it's my responsibility to be reconciled to you. If we all do this, it all works. But how? This is the question, how? You make it right by confessing your wrongs. When, you make, when you've been wronged, you make it right by going to them and telling them anything that you may have done. Now, it could have been in reaction. It could be in response to what they did. You may even feel like it was justified, but if it's wrong, it's wrong. And there's a word that we use for this, and it's loaded for meaning for, meaning for people that have been in church in a long time, but this is the word that the Bible uses to, that Jesus used to talk about this. You make it right by confessing your wrongs. The Bible word for that is repent. Because repentance is very, very powerful. It's going to somebody and saying, I was wrong and I'm not gonna do that again. Regardless of what you do, this is about me. It's not, well, I'm sorry I offended you. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize you were that sensitive. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't know you were that small and immature. I apologize. It's like you're twisting a knife in somebody that you put, them in the, that you put there in the first place. Well, if you have a problem with me, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Okay? No, he says, when you've been wronged, you take the first step. When, you ta- when you've been wronged, you take the first step and you forgive. Hey, look, I'm letting you off the hook. I'm not gonna demand payment anymore. I'm forgiving the debt. I'm not gonna speak of it anymore. I'm over it, I'm done, and I wish you the best. That's what you do when you've been wronged. And, but when, when you've been wronged, you take the first step and you repent, you go back, and you say, look, I was wrong, okay? Will you forgive me so that we can have peace? Now, we may not be able to go back to where we were. I understand that. We may not still do business together, but I have to do my part and tell you where I was wrong because here's what repentance looks like. It is to take full responsibility of your wrongs without tacking their wrongs onto it, okay? Own your own peace. Take full responsibility for it. Do not make any excuses. 
I could give you excuses. I could give you what I feel, you know, was the reason why I did what I did, but I'm not gonna give you any excuses. I can give you a hundred reasons why you inspired everything I did wrong. I was stressed out, I was busy. No, I'm not gonna make any excuses for my behavior. And we lay out a plan for what we're gonna do different. This is what I'm going to change. Recently, I actually had somebody very close to me come to me and I had said something that, uh, that had actually hurt them. They felt like I had questioned a relationship and that was not my intention at all. But when I heard that, I had to immediately repent. See, repentance called me to say, I knew I didn't mean that, but now that I see it from your side, now I take that walk around, I shouldn't have said that. And I won't, I won't say anything like that again. Will you forgive me? That's what it looks like in my life personally, and I, and I am not immune to all this stuff. But how we take responsibility, how we make no excuses and just lay out a plan to change and repent, that's what repentance actually looks like. That's what it means. Okay, so Jesus says, when somebody has somebody against you, you're at the altar, you're getting ready to give, you're at church, you're worshiping, you know, I, I, hopefully people aren't leaving in the middle of worship because you're realizing, oh, I got, I got somebody that's mad at me, but you've got to go. You got to be reconciled to that. Maybe you do leave in the middle of church because you realize, oh my gosh, I can't offer my gift of worship. First go and be reconciled to them and then offer your gift. We get so hung up on, is God okay with me? I want to grow my relationship with God. And we, you, do need to be, you do need to be pursuing that. But here's the thing, is Jesus already made peace with you because of the cross. You already have a right standing with God because of the cross. He's concerned about your relationship with others, the horizontal thing. And what that forces me to do is to turn tension into talk. It requires me to turn tension between me and you into actual talk, and that's not easy. And I hear this over and over from people. It's like, I'm just not good at conflict, so that gets me off the hook. Well, of course you're not. If you, if you like conflict, you got other issues, all right? Now, some of us are better at conflict than others, but those of you that like conflict, we're gonna have a prayer line. The elders will be at the back of the sanctuary at the end of service, and we will pray for healing for you. No, this is what we're talking about is turning what feels like tension into talk and it's not easy. It's hard. Conflict and reconciliation, healthy conflict and even reconciliation is gonna cost you more than you think. If, if we choose to obey Jesus and do this, I'm telling you, it will cost you. It'll cost me. But if we don't, it'll cost us even more. How many of you ever experienced that where you, you, you finally did it and it was really hard, but you were like, oh, why did I wait so long for that? That's what happens. You, and, and it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you some tension in the beginning, but it's gonna, it's gonna cost you way much or much more if you don't do it. This is the beauty of meetups, you know, is being able to hear other people's story and go, oh, that's how not to do it. Oh, okay. Or that's how to do it. But it's just sitting down with somebody who could tell you, hey, here's how I did it or here's how not to do it that I, the way that I did it. So when should you go? Anytime you've been wronged, 
or any time that anybody feels you have wronged them. Because you can't ultimately feel that peace with God that he wants you to feel as long as there's unresolved conflict with people. That's the way he made us to be. That's why we have so much tension. Some of you need to go today. Don't wait another day. As soon as you feel that tension, go. Talk. And then Paul said later on in the New Testament, he said, um, in your anger, do not sin. He didn't say in relationships it's wrong to be angry. You could be angry. He said, in your anger, don't sin. And then he explains to you how to do it. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, do it quickly. Deal with it swiftly. If you've been wronged and you're angry, go. Do it now. Do not wait. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And then he says, and don't get the, give the devil a foothold. Listen, if you want to give the devil a foothold in your life, there are tons of problems that as a pastor I see within people's lives because they gave the devil a foothold because they were angry and they didn't go quickly. And look, there are times when I see people, you know, just getting beat down over and over, not physically. If, if you're getting beat down physically, then you need to go for sure. You need to go away. But they're getting beat down in their life and in their heart because they don't go. They don't go. So don't give the devil a foothold. Go quickly when you are angry so that your anger doesn't turn into sin. If you feel that tension, just go talk, even when it's small. Because the longer that you wait, the more it'll cost you. So go immediately. Now, when you and your friend have relationship tensions, who's the first person that we wanna tell? The answer is anybody but them, right? Everybody else. Sometimes the last person that we tell is actually the person that we have tension with. And sometimes, when you don't know where to start, you know where you should start? Tell them what you've been saying about them. Just start there. I've done it. It's horrible. And yet, the, the results are amazing. What we want to do is we want to tell everybody around them to get them on our side, right? And that makes us feel good because, yeah, you're on my side. They're a jerk. But if you use that energy to actually go to the person that you have tension with, it might just strengthen your relationship, heal your relationship. So go directly and you keep it, it says privately, keep it between the two of you. Now, I'm not gonna tell everybody else about this. No, hey, I wanna let you know, I came immediately and directly to you. And then keep in mind that your perspective, your perspective, when you go to them, it may not be the right one. This is why we always have to go humbly. I've gone with a preconceived idea before and ended up with my foot in my mouth. Go humbly, asking questions. I'm not the judge. It's not my job to pass out right or wrong or to assess blame. This is where you were wrong and this is where I was hurt. No, I go to you and look, I'm owning this and I'm just letting you know, I could be wrong, but I felt like this. I'm humbling I'm coming humbly and I'm saying, or I'm coming and I'm saying, yes, when you did that, that hurt, but I'm taking responsibility for my actions and my responsibilities. That is going in humility. 
And if they never apologize, peace is in your heart because you know you did what Jesus told you to do. So when there is offense on your side or on their side, go. I wanna tell everybody else, but I know, and Jesus tells me the best thing is to go directly to them. And here's the thing, is nothing else helps solve the problem. Go quickly, go humbly. This is a beautiful picture of how God works. Because when there's tension between God and us, I think God says, look, I wanna have peace with you. Look what I did. I sent my son, Jesus. You couldn't pay for your own sin, or you could, but that would be unfortunate. You could pay for your own sin, death and hell. But Jesus said, no, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you, and so we are good. Now let's talk about the tensions that you have with each other. And I'm leaving it up to you to make peace the same way with each other. And here's what I found for me. Pay, making peace with others actually clears a path to my peace with God. Making peace with others clears a path to my peace with God. It's where you can feel that peace that God wants to have with you because everything's right with everybody else. That's how he made us to be greatest commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart. The second is love others as yourself. They're connected. So go immediately, go directly, go humbly, but do this, go, because your peace depends upon it. Can you imagine if, the whole, if all of us did this, if every one of us did this, how, much, how many tensions would blow out of, out of proportion? How many times have you been in a huge, just in a mess relationally only to find out that it was one small misunderstanding that just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because nobody talked about it? Jesus knew this. Jesus understood this. And as we move within our country, they are celebrating tension and they're celebrating division and they're celebrating and they're, and they're amplifying all of this stuff. What would happen if the body of Christ, if each and every one of us in the body of Christ, what would happen if all of us didn't take the bait? But we just went to each other. There was in, in 2020, in the summer of 2020, it was at the height of all this stuff. There were two, there were, there were two situations that happened on social, social media was a hot mess. It, probably it's not any better. I'm, I try to stay away as much as possible. But it was a hot mess. Nobody, I, I could post, I love Jesus, and somebody would come back at me with, oh yeah, well. And there were two situations that somebody posted something, their viewpoint, pretty much political, about something. And somebody else in the church actually got offended by that. There were two situations. In one situation, Nobody talked to anybody else. They just battled it out in the comment section and relationships were lost. People were hurt extremely bad on, on both sides. There was another situation that was absolutely amazing where somebody posted something and it offended the other person. And that person picked up the phone and actually called them and said, hey, I noticed that you wrote that. Can you talk to me about what you meant by that? Imagine, imagine the maturity. 
and they reconciled very quickly. Oh, no, that's not what I meant by that. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that's what that meant to you. And they took it down. And it's all good. Could you imagine what it would be like if all of our relationships were like that, that we had short accounts, that very quickly we went to them and said, hey, I noticed this. Are we good? Hey, I noticed that. Are we good? Jesus said, if you have offended, go. If you have been offended, go. What I want to, the, the big thing I want you to go home with today is go, is go. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be tenuous at moments, but I'm telling you, for one, it's good for you and your relationships. And for two, it's what Jesus told us to do. And you can see all the practical reasons why, but it was a command that that's what we're supposed to do. So the question then becomes like, how, how do we do that? How do we communicate in a way, communicate it in a way that doesn't exacerbate the problem, that doesn't blow it up? Because I could go and I could talk to them and it could actually get worse, Micah. How do we go and how do we communicate in a way that it doesn't make it worse? Well, you'll have to come back next week for the third installment because that's what we're gonna be talking about next week. So you may stand if you would.